Welcome. Week two. All right, we made it two weeks. Woo! <laughs> oh, I don't know why that feels like such an accomplishment. <laughs> but excited. I'm excited you're here. Um, somebody later will tell me the result of the 49er game. Is it still going on? I All the 49er fans are not here, apparently. Huh? They won? Or the winning? Oh, did that mess up somebody's TiVo? Totally messed up somebody's TiVo moments. Oh, TiVo foul. <laughs> TiVo foul. Hey, uh, if you're new, welcome to the awakening. If you're not new, you're not welcome. Um, no, I'm just. <laughs> but seriously, if you are brand new, my name's Ryan, and tonight's a really good night for you to be here because we're talking about the vision, why we exist, why we're here, why we're in this high school here, starting a brand new church, and why we're starting with a bunch of mainly 20 year olds uh, and what fun that is. Uh, and I, I think it's a really amazing time to be in on this, especially if you're kind of new to God, new to church, because if you're coming and you have that kind of perspective, you want to know what are these people about, you know, and what, what are the, what, what's their agenda, and you'll get to hear that uh, tonight, and so you get to hear it just right up front. We're not going to play any games with you. Uh, if you're not new, uh, here's a really big point for you to get, and this is my prayer for you tonight. This is my hope and my dream for you tonight, is that you would actually literally embrace what we're calling tonight, awakening vision. That God would birth a humongous vision and dream inside of your heart and collectively as us as a community that would ignite in such a way that it would transform our city because it starts one person at a time. If we long to see God do something amazing and great in our city, it isn't because we all gather and sing songs here and have this ooey-gooey moment. It is simply because you and I begin to embrace a God-sized vision for our life that's greater, that gives us purpose and clarity and passion to our everyday existence, not just a Sunday thing, but to our everyday existence. My prayer for you is that God would awaken a vision deep inside your soul tonight. That's a really good place for an amen. We're already starting a little under the gun. Here's a truism, though. Yeah, this, is, this is just uh, something's true. You know it, whether you've heard it said this way, but you understand life to be this way. This is, uh, it's right in the title there, is that most have, well, that is true, too. Micah is kind of awkward. Um, <laughs> I'm going to suffer for that one later, but I, I love that picture, by the way. I don't know if you see the pizza crumb on his lip right there. Um, you know what? I got to stand here, okay? Sorry, you can't see the screen. <laughs> I am sorry about that. All right, go to the next slide because that's going to distract us all night long. Here is the truism. Most have sight. Few have vision. Most in this room, in fact, I would guess all in this room have sight, the ability to see. You see me right now, but few in life really have vision. See, sight is simply the ability to see. Vision is the ability to see what could be and should be in light of what presently is. 
It is, is the ability to see something and, and immediately know the future of what it could be, the possibilities that unbeknownst to others in this one moment is something greater than what everyone else beheld. Everyone called it ordinary and someone else saw it and said, no, 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 no. that's extraordinary. That's vision. See, most have sight. Few have vision. The ability to see what could be and should be in light of what is. Let me give you an example. Uh, in the area of furniture, I have sight. My wife, however, has vision. Sometimes too much vision. As I've come home to my house and found that the carpet was completely ripped out of our living room because she had a vision of beautiful hardwood floors. That vision took a whole lot of work on mine three weeks later to have those beautiful hardwood floors. Uh, I've seen things in my backyard that I'm just going like, oh my Lord. Did you just pick that up on the side of the road? And she said, yes, I did, in fact. <laughs> I don't know how many times on the side of the road we, my wife picked up things, and I looked at it, and I'm like, that has got to be the ugliest thing I've ever ever seen. In fact, one time uh, she texted me at work. She's like, hey, so do you think you could stop by in Sunnyvale to pick up this shelf? And I was like, um, okay. And then she sends me a picture of it. I said, oh, Lord. (laughs) That is by far the ugliest shelf on the face of the planet. I mean, it even had like plexiglass windows in it. I go there. It is, this house is like being like demolished, basically. The guy shows me the shelf. It's falling apart, and I, I have to pay him $10 to take it, and I'm thinking, you should pay me $10 to take it. <laughs> now, I take it home, and I'm going like, well, at least I can just take it to the dumpster after this project is done. It sits in my living room recreated. Brilliant. And I look at it, and I'm like, I wouldn't have paid $10 except I had to because my wife told me to. (laughs) And now you would find it like, for this is a girly store, anthropology, um, and spend hundreds of dollars because she had vision where only I had sight. Imagine this. If we were a community that had vision, If we just didn't accept the world around us the way it currently is. If we would see the potential. If we would move past the ordinary and begin to ask God to give us a God-sized vision for our community. God-sized vision for our workplaces. A God-sized vision for our schools. For our friends and families. And we would say, you know what, this is what is. But let me tell you what could be. And you know what? It should be. And something stirs so deep in our hearts that something happens in us as a community that it's not just should and could. We get to the point where it must be. This must be what happens next. Imagine if we became that kind of community. A community that had Vision, not just sight. Now, check this out. I just want to simply let you know our vision for awakening 
It's really what we believe God has called us to, and if you've been around a while, you've heard it a lot. But it is so simple, I pray that you would carry it around with you because I think it's not just the vision for us collectively as a church, collectively as a community. It is one that if you embrace this vision, it will change you and your world. Here it is. We exist to awaken this generation to a new life in Jesus Christ. That's it. We exist to awaken this generation to a new life in Jesus Christ. It's both kind of missional in that it is a mission and a calling and vision because it's talking about what should and could be that there is a missing generation in the church and it's mainly you guys, 18 to 28-year-olds. And there is a, a breaking in the city as San Jose continues to get younger and younger. The medium age, the average age here is 35 years of age and getting younger. We have an influx of young families and young professionals. And yet something has happened where somehow this deep hunger for spirituality is disconnected from the church and from God and our true meaning. And where we'd say in our core DNA that we're about the next generation always. So at the end of the day, if you're launching the church with us, later on, 10 years from now, you may not like the music anymore. Because <laughs> you're like, oh, this is good. But then we switch on to what this generation likes. You're like, wait a second, I don't like that. Uh, I think we should still do Hillsong. And, you're, and the young, young kids then, because you're going to be old, by the way, <laughs> are going, Hillsong? Oh my gosh, you're so out of date. I'd do an old like, music reference, but most of you wouldn't get it. Vineyard. Okay, there I did it. Okay. <laughs> Michael W. Smith. (laughs) Oh, mama. For those of you who don't know Christian music, just be thankful at this moment. Just be thankful. To awaken, but here's what we're about. Awaken this generation to a new life. By the way, this is not your old life just a little bit better. That is not the offer extended in the Bible. We've got to get out of this kind of behavior modification where you're just trying to make your life a little bit better. Jesus didn't come and die on a cross for that, guys. It was way bigger than that. He died on a cross that you would have a radically new life. That, that we as a community would allow heaven to invade our souls and heaven to invade our campuses and our workplaces. That is what the calling is. In fact, Jesus said it this way, Matthew 28, 18, his vision mission statement. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Uh, This word go has the emphasis of a command, and yet it's not. The command is actually the next word there, make. But what it literally means is while you are going, While you're going about your day, in the process of life, in your community, in your spheres of influence, where you're at, while you're going, here is the command. Make disciples. Invite people into the grand story that God loves them. So much that he longed to be with them and sent his only son to die on the cross for them. 
that he invaded and broke into time, space, history for you and I, suffered at the hands of his own creation just to have a relationship. That is the hope of glory. And we make such a little deal out of it. That is what it means to be a disciple, is to embrace that and say, I can't wait for you to know the good news. That's what gospel means. It's good news. It's radically amazing good news. That should just pour out of us as a community. I would say we long. We don't long to, to try to put rules on you. And you can go to religion for that. God didn't break into humanity to to force you to do stuff. He could do that anyways. We long for you to experience a new life in Jesus Christ. We long for you to follow the way you were designed and created to be, to follow Jesus. Therefore, go as you're going about the day, your way in your life, make disciples. By the way, this should challenge us because have you, those who are kind of insiders, followers of Christ, have you been about making disciples? Have you shared this radically good news with those who haven't heard? Why not? I I think why not is a lot of times there's fear. A lot of times we, we step back and go, I don't know. Uh, sometimes we, we play this. We play the apathy card and go, yeah, my faith is a private thing. By the way, your faith was never intended to be private. It is a personal thing. It is not private. It is always meant to be public. Would this be the generation, we sang it, would this be the generation that begins to live life in this new arena of embracing who Jesus is and stepping out by faith and saying, I don't know how it's going to work, but I believe in you, and so I'm trusting your word and taking your word as it is and going to get after it. And should we just there as a community, as we begin to say, we're going to take God at his word and see if he'll really show up. Dare you? Let's try that. It's kind of a novel idea, I know. That we'd go, oh, you said make disciples. Huh. Maybe I should actually try that. I mean, think about this. Who are the people in your life that you know that your heart breaks that don't know Jesus? If anyone. Here's the danger, by the way, of being in the Christian community in the circles. We can come here and we can clap and sing songs. And I know I'm getting into like major coach mode at this moment, but stick with me. And we can walk out and feel really good about ourselves. And all around us is a broken and hurting world, desperate to drink in the deep love of their father, waiting for you and I to simply be the church and stop going to church. Another place for an Amen. You missed it. You can catch up. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Would we dare to be that kind of church? Would you dare personally in this moment to say, I am going to trust you with my life I'm tired of going through the old motions. I want to follow you. 
And in following you, I'm going to step out and invite others into the story that you have written. See, and I, I didn't challenge you this. Write down five people who do not know Jesus and just simply start praying for them. Just start praying for them. Pray that God would change your heart for them. Pray that God would move in there, that he would open up opportunities. Pray for them specifically, continually. Pray for them. And then I'd encourage you, next week we're starting a series called Blink. It's how will you measure your life? The whole idea that life passes, you know, so quickly, uh, like the blink of an eye. And as you get older, it seems to pass even faster. And the question is, what w- isn't what will you do? It's how will you measure your life? Would you invite? I realized I inform people. I don't invite people. Inform people. I'm a pastor, so I have it easy, right? You have it a little bit harder. You know, spiritual conversations come up. They're like, oh, what do you do? I'm a pastor, and sometimes they just walk away. Uh, But it's true, actually. But they're ready for this, and we talk about spiritual things because I'm a pastor. But I, I inform them, oh, yeah, we're doing this church plan. It's called Awakening. We meet at Del Mar. I've informed you and realized I never invited you. You know the power of the personal invitation? Study says if you personally invite someone, eight out of ten people will actually show up. And yet we kind of think, hey, I, I, I don't want to invite someone. Can I, can I just do a quick little thing with you here? If you were personally invited by someone here, would you just stand up? I don't, wanna make, I don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable. If you're new, you don't have to do this at all. But if you're just personally invited, stand up. Go ahead. Go ahead. Everyone who was invited, go ahead. I mean, not if you're new, you don't have to do it, but I, I mean, at some point in some time, you've been around, you're personally invited. Someone said, hey, you should come to Awakening. Go ahead. No, no, stay, stay standing. I, this is an awkward deal. Now, were you mad at them? I, I mean, you're here now, and you go ahead. You can sit down. The rest of you just kind of got here on your own. You figured it out. You just kind of Check the online, which we haven't done a real good job at. I know you were invited, and you didn't even stand up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> called out. <laughs> well, why, why, why don't we do this more? Why not? If the call, if the vision, awaken this generation to a new life in Christ. And he says, while you're going about the day, Make disciples. You know, my dream for awakening is that in 10 years, my daughter, this is a scary thought, she's turning eight this month. In 10 years, she'll be 18. She'll be the age of many of you in here. And I long that at 18, she would love and want to be a part of this church that is asking the questions that her generation is asking. Because so oftentimes the church doesn't ask the right questions, does it? I, I long that it would speak the language that her generation is speaking. You know why this is important? Because as a church community now, this isn't just stage life stuff. You know why this is important? Because you're going to grow up. I'm sorry. You're going to get old. You're going to get married. You're going to have kids. And don't you want to have a place where you go, I long for my kids to love to be here. And I long for those who are far from God to love to be here. When they would walk through the doors, it would just feel welcoming and loving where they would experience and encounter the living God. 
See, most have sight. May we have vision to awaken this generation to a new life in Jesus Christ. Just save it till the end of the line and that'll work. (laughs) (laughs) So then the question is, I'm sorry, uh, it's been a long day. I'm a little rambunctious tonight. The question is, how do we measure whether we're successful or not? Right? I mean, is, is, this, is this success that we have a room full of 20-year-olds primarily here? And a few not-so-20-year-olds, and I'm thankful you're here. I, I, I tell people our church has the, wrong, the opposite problem that most churches have, and I love this problem, is that when we see someone that's like 35 or older, we're going, we're so thankful that you're here, you know, because we need you. We need the sages in our community, don't we? But how do we judge whether we're successful or not? I'll tell you the way churches often judge success. Unfortunate, and this is a, a testament to, to us, and sadly, I, church world, that is. Church often judges success by butts in a seat and budget. How many people are here and how much money came in? I just want to let you know from day one, that is not how we will judge success. You know how you judge success? You judge whether you're successful or not by whether you're actually living out the values that you say you want to live out. See, here's what values are. Values are the guardrails for your life and a community to help you get where you want to get. Values are the things that allow you to become who you long to become. A lot of times we say we value something, and the reality, your values are revealed by how you live, not what you say. Our values as a community, how we're going to judge whether we're successful or not, is that we become a community of faith, hope, and love. That's simple. That's, you can carry that in your pocket. I want to be a person of faith that lives out radical faith, that steps out and believes Jesus at his word and just simply says, okay, because you said it, I'll do it, and dare to see if God will show up. When's the last time you stepped out and said, risked it all, and if God didn't show up, you're in trouble? Would we be a community that stepped out all the time and said, God, if you don't show up, we're in trouble? Got to tell you, stepping out and launching the church, we felt that a lot. That we'd be a community of hope. The Christian life and experience is primarily defined as one of hope. It is the thing that we export to a hurting and broken world that is so huge. Hope in the midst of hopelessness. That you're loved and cherished. That now is not all there is. Hang in there. Hope you have a God who loves you. And then love. That we'd become a community defined by how we love. See, it's not about our seating capacity, really, is it? How we judge success. It's really about our sending capacity, isn't it? I love how Paul defined success for the Thessalonians as he's writing to this church. And as he writes to them, he, he really clearly speaks why you were successful. And here's what he says. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith. 
your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, I hope and pray that someone would look at our community in five years and look at us, church, look at us awakening and not go, man, they got cool music. Man, they got a guy that yells all the time and now they got Jay and so he's got like word pictures all the time and those are really interesting. Or they got these things called house churches. Oh, that's kind of different, except it started in Acts. (laughs) Yeah, we're being radically different. Woo, it's 2,000 years old. Pretty creative group. There you go. That's a community that lives by faith. That's... That's a community that extends hope and life everywhere they go. That is a church that shows extravagant love. See, that is how we will determine whether or not we are successful. It is not enough to show up and have a show If you're satisfied with that and that's what you want, this is probably not the place for you, by the way. You're here because there's an echoing and there's a longing in your heart that there's got to be so much more than this. Vision. Awaken this generation. New life in Christ. Our values become a community of faith, hope, and love. And finally, how are we going to do that? What's the process for getting there? And that's our vehicle. And I want to just invite up, and Jay and Michael are going to share just a little bit on this. But you hear me say this, and you can pull just the last slide with the whole thing up there. Uh, You hear me say this a lot, but this is actually our vehicle. It's very intentional. Join the movement, experience community, live on mission. Uh, And if you think of it in three categories, believe, belong, become. We long the process for us to become that kind of community. The process is that you would start at a point where you embrace Jesus as your Savior, where you step forward, and maybe it's just that refresher, reigniting for you to go, okay, I'm in. My life be lifted high. I believe. I'm in. I'm starting to follow after you. And then you would start, step in and become part of a community. And you do life together in such a way that, that represents to this world the hope and love of Jesus. And then you would become. And you step out and begin to live on mission. Jay, if you would share for a little bit about um, experiencing community. Yeah, community, I just want to share really briefly, community is an interesting thing because I think for most of us as Christians, if we grew up in the church, uh, community becomes almost something you tack on to the Christian checklist, right? It's something you have to do as a Christian. The reality is community is not a part of a checklist. Community is the way that you and I as human beings created in the image of God are hardwired, no, I, I want to share just a, quickly, there, there's this thing uh, called the Alameda County Study. 
number of years ago that was done by a Harvard social scientist. And for nine years, he studied the lives of 7,000 residents of Alameda County, and he was studying their, their uh, health habits and, and how healthy they were in conjunction with their relationships with people. And here's what he found, really interesting. He found that the more isolated people, people who did not have significant relationships in their lives, were three times more likely to die early and to live unhealthy physical lives than people who were deeply relationally connected. He found that people with bad health habits, smoking, excessive drinking, eating terribly, people with bad health habits but strong relationships were actually four to five times healthier and lived significantly longer than people with great health habits but living very isolated lives. So this social scientist from Harvard basically found that it is better to eat a bacon cheeseburger with your friends than to eat a salad by yourself. (laughs) Right? Now, this sort of research... This sort of research is not the end all. It's not the end all. But it points us to a hardwiring of our souls. And the reality of the way we are made as human beings in the image of God is that we are relational creatures. And as such, we are designed to live the most full, healthy, spiritually, emotionally, even physically most healthy lives when we are in significant relationship with one another. And the way we do that at Awakening is house churches. And it's really simple. Ryan mentioned it, right? We're not reinventing the wheel here. We are simply saying, could we gather as smaller communities of 20, 30, maybe 40 people in homes during the week to know and to be known? And our hope is that as you plug into these communities, as you are known and you are being known, that that will eventually evolve into into loving and being loved. And the second part of that is that as we create that sort of community with one another where we're sharing life together, that together as a community, you would begin expressing the reality of God's relational passion and love for the entire world together, that you would begin serving our city together. And so as we trek into the fall and relaunch house churches in October, that's the goal. It's very simple. It's two parts, to know and be known with the hope that you will love and be loved and that you will then together as a loving community that knows one another deeply, you will begin to serve our city, that we as a church, all these communities in Awakening, in our house churches, would begin impacting our city. I want to leave you with this passage. It'll be up here on the screen. This is Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. And the writer of Hebrews says this, Brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our 
our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is our hope for house churches, that you would plug in, that you would learn to know and then love one another, and that you would go into the world good deeds. And that word, that phrasing, just it waters it down. It means so much more than just a good act. It means changing and restoring the world into what God intends it to be. And so we're taking sign-ups now. You can sign up online, and we would love to get you plugged in so that you might love one another and then share the love of Christ in a real, tangible way in our world. And along those lines, Michael's going to share a little bit about mission. Excuse me. Awesome. It's real hard to follow these two guys. Uh, There's an A team, the B team, and now me. So (laughs) bear with me. Um, But I want to share a little bit of kind of the journey that I've been on as we're getting into this story, into this journey, into this thing called Awakening Church, not Westgate Church. I made that mistake earlier. Um, But as we get into this journey, I, I find myself a little bit uncomfortable. I find myself a little on edge because sometimes I feel like God's kind of dealing a little bit with my heart. I feel a little bit like a salt shaker, you know, the salt shaker where the salt's kind of got all compressed and kind of gotten kind of water in it or whatever. You try to get some salt out of it, and what happens? You know, it's just, just hard as a rock. And God's kind of taking me and taking my heart and kind of trying to shake it a little bit. I feel like even, even more extreme, he's taking the lid off the salt shaker and he's kind of poking around, trying to get at my heart. You see, I've come, it's become perfectly clear, it's become uncomfortably clear that if I'm going to live out the vision of awakening this generation to new life in Christ, I need to change. Let me show you, let me give you a quick story uh, to tell you, kind of flesh this out for you maybe a little bit. Um, a couple of years ago, almost three years ago, we moved to the house where we currently live. A lot of you have been, been enjoyed to have a lot of you there. But what, what's one of the things you hear me complain about? Yeah, it's my neighbor. <laughs> Um, and I'm ashamed to say that in the three years we've been there, I find myself more annoyed and frustrated than I do caring, Whoa. than I do caring and being concerned. Um, so as I've been uncomfortable, I've let God kind of move me to say, how do I care for this guy? And he's told me, just go talk to him. You know, just, just go talk. So, so when I get a chance, I try to go talk. This guy is, is awesome, really. He, he's, he's a real servant. And uh, the water line broke to our house, and he literally dug that whole thing up for me so I could repair it and have one of the plumbers from the company I work with come and, and fix it for no, you know, no reason. He saw me digging, went and got his shovel. And I'm going, no, no go back. You know, it was amazing. But as I got to know him, God really ended up taking time to make, take these conversations. God has showed me that, you know, he, I, I'm kind of messed up. <laughs> because I got to know Mavelle, one of my biggest frustrations has been that there's tons of people over there. There's tons of cars. There's babies. There's kids. There's activity at all hours of the night. But I realized as I got to know him that the reason there's people there is he knows everybody in the neighborhood. He knows their stories. And people come to him and say, hey, I need a place to stay. There's a single mom and a baby. The baby cries. The baby's probably 10 feet from my window. But you know what? This guy's living in compassion. And so God so convicted me 
that the guy that I tend to be so annoyed with and so frustrated is really the guy that has totally schooled me. Can I say that? Do you guys, is that, is that? <laughs> That's kind of something we used to say. I don't know. He totally just humbled me and said, this is what compassion is about. So as, as God's kind of beaten me up a little bit with this, as he's kind of made me uncomfortable, it's become perfectly clear once again that I need to change. Um, real quick, um, in kind of in closing, if I can maybe paint this, this, this awesome picture, maybe this hopeful, this picture of faith. You see, because my generation was really good at coming up with the right answers. And, and in some ways, I'm kind of proud of that. I see a couple of gray hairs up, maybe out there. But, you know, as, you know but, but we did a good job of really searching Scripture and trying to have the, have the right answers and have the right solutions. But I'm becoming, beginning to understand that it's so much more than just having the right answers. Because if we try to shove our solutions and our, our right answers into other people's stories, sometimes it doesn't fit the way that I think it should fit. So once again, I think God's saying to us, that this, this is a heart thing. This is a heart that says it's more important to have the, the right heart than just having the right answers. So I believe what we can get there is begin to live on mission, is begin to say, hey, I care about my neighbor. Begin to li- just listen to the stories, man. That's the most important thing. The best thing you can do is listen to the stories. Because your heart will begin to change about your neighbor like mine is slowly beginning to change. And I believe that if we don't begin to listen to the story of this generation, of your generation, of your peers, another generation, I've seen it so many times, another generation will pass us by. And you guys will be in my seat saying, what happened to my generation? I think if we live out this Christian mission, we live out this mission. If we can describe that as missional, if we can be missional in our house churches, God will begin to work in our hearts, and we will no longer try to fit our answers and solutions into our society, but rather we'll simply be drawn to them as God works in us. And I have faith that as we're drawn to them and God's work and tenderized our heart and shaken us up a little bit and stirred us up, they'll begin to see God in us, and they'll be drawn to God. They'll be drawn to the story of Christ. So that's what our communities are all about. That's what lifting is all about. So I encourage you, if I can speak for you all, if we're going to live out this mission, if we're going to live out the vision of awakening this generation to new, new life in Christ, I can't even talk, to new life in Christ, we need to change. That's cool. Thanks, guys. Just a, a couple closing words, and the band will come up. Part of a vision, and this is so important, part of a purpose, you need to know this because we're a church plant, and uh, I think it's important that you embrace this idea. Plans change, but purpose remains the same. As, as we say all this, we got plans for house churches, and we worked on it this summer, and we're changing some stuff because we figured out some of our plans didn't work out so well. Our purpose remains the same. In fact, this building, uh, you, you don't, many of you don't know this, but we were close to not being able to use this building this week. And all kinds of stuff came down with the school. And I invite you to continue to pray uh, that we would have great relationships with the school. It's just, it was just weird stuff. And, and yet we may, as a church man, we may move multiple times. Okay. Plans change, but our purpose, our calling, our vision stays the same because it's less about where and more about what, isn't it? Uh, The picture of awakening and what I long to see happen is I I long to see us become a community a lot like the way the restaurant Akiz is. (laughs) 
yes, maybe we'll have great margaritas too. <laughs> Here's what I love, because I live in Willow Glen, and we walk downtown, and we go to a Keys all the time. Uh, and it's, I love the food, you may not love the food, uh, but what I love is I show up with my family, and it's great for my family. And we hang out, and our kids can be themselves, and they're outside, and they're jumping in the little fountain out there. And uh, I mean, it's just our family can be our family. But then I look around, and I see a lot of you all there, too. And I see a lot of college young adults that are showing up there. But then I also look around, and I see a lot of people who are not college. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. I go, how cool would that be for us to be a church that had that type of feel? That where you showed up, you go, I know I fit and I'm a part of a movement. Would you join the movement here? It starts with you and me and a fundamental heart change. Would you experience community and get off the fence and stop being on the sidelines? And for our city's sake and for your friend's sake, would you live on mission? Decide in your heart tonight. Say, God, I've been going through the motion, but tonight, September 16th, week two of Awakening Church, By your grace, would you allow me to awaken this generation, my friends and family and co-workers and schoolmates and whoever, to a new life in you. In Jesus' name, amen.